So I want to share with you this morning how to move a mountain. Can mountains move? <laughs> Normally you would say, no, no, mountains can't move. Think about a mountain for a moment. When you think about a mountain, what do you think? You think immovable, immovable. So for many of us, when we look at South Africa, we might look at the problems in our country and think it can't change. For some of us, it's, it's completely out of our frame of reference that our country and the problems in it can actually change. It's like it's, it doesn't even come into our minds. It's like it feels like it's a mountain. It's immovable. Do you think God can change this nation? Absolutely. But also when we look at a mountain, sometimes when you can be intimidated with a mountain, you're standing in front of the mountain, it's like you're so small and this thing is so massive. So even looking at 2017, 2017 can be like a mountain to you. It's like you're looking at this thing and it's, it's staring down at you. It's intimidating you. You don't actually know what to do with this. Whatever it might be, your work, relationships, finances, <clears throat> whatever it might be, teachers, those children that are back, <laughs> immovable, <laughs> intimidating. Even the little oaks can be quite intimidating. But it can be your mountain. You, you're looking at this mountain and it's staring you down. And, you, and you, sometimes there are things in our lives that we can't get out of our heads. It's like continuously thinking about it. You know, things you worry about, stress about. Do you tend to find that it sits in your mind the whole time? It comes back to you the whole time? You can't stop thinking about that thing. A mountain. Intimidating. Immovable. A mountain. Can it move? Can it change? And so some of them say, no, it's impossible. It cannot change. But the good news is Jesus says mountains can move. Mountains can move. And so I want to share a few things with you this morning to, to help you move those mountains. It's easier than what you think. But you need to get some tools to know actually, okay, this is how I must actually deal with it. This is how I must, must tackle this challenge. So I believe God wants to move those mountains in your life this year, whatever it might be. To move the anxiety, to move the worry, to move the stress, to move the timidity, to move the lack, to move whatever it might be. Our God is a miracle-working God. He's supernatural. So the Lord wants us to, to see, to see His glory come. You know, for some of us, you might look at someone, think about someone specific, and you think, Him, that guy, turn to Jesus. Not a chance. No ways. Or maybe that difficult person at work, maybe your wife, her, change her mind, no ways, fat chance. You know, whatever it might be, there's something that happens on the inside in our hearts and minds, and that will influence if this mountain is going to move or not, or if the hand of God is going to move or not. So there's a, there's a beautiful story of, a, of a, a, an American in, in 1857. <clears throat> There was a businessman that started a prayer meeting. It says in 1857, slavery, rebellion, and rumors of war were spreading across the United States. Three years later, Americans turned on each other and made bloody history. But in that same year, another kind of history was being made in New York City. It's the kind of history you don't read about in textbooks. On September 23rd, 1857, a Christian layman named Jeremiah Lanfear held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting. In lower Manhattan, it was not by any account a rousing success. It passed out flyers for weeks 
And only six men attended. That's sad. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had. Ironically, this time also marked the beginning of one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen. Week by week, Jeremiah Stein lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had grown to 10,000 within two and a half months. And they met not every week, but every day. Isn't that amazing? The New York newspapers took notice. And when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland, St. Louis, thousands packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. That seems to be a big issue. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. Massive shift because one man started to pray and God jumped on it. It was like that was the opportunity, the moment. This revival became known as the third great awakening and eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. Wouldn't that be nice? And so many people came to Christ that churches were forced to hold services outside to accommodate the swelling crowds. The world had seen nothing like it before or since it was revival on a global scale. It started, God started with one man. Prayer is powerful. You know, if you think about South Africa, we are so ready for revival. Our rugby is terrible. It's like we're ready. But there's a whole bunch of other things as well. Crime is high. Politics is not bringing the solution. But Jesus is the solution. But it, it begins with you and me saying, Lord, I thank you that you are almighty. You are all powerful. And if we would pray, if we would pray by faith, things are going to change in Jesus' name. So this is a call for every one of us for the next three weeks as a bit of a training ground. But for the whole year to continue to pray, to seek the face of God. So I just want to pray for us. I'm going to share a message about how to move a mountain. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, that your word is powerful and your Holy Spirit is at work here this morning to shift things on the inside of us. Lord, Holy Spirit, put a fire in our hearts to pursue you and to see mountains move. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to take you to a scripture in Matthew 21, verse 20 to 22. And it says there, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled. Say marveled. The real marvel is in the Bible. I've said this before. Marvel comics, it's not the real deal is in the scriptures. The real power is in God. The rest is just make believe. So they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So what happened is they were walking down the road. There was a fig tree. There were no figs on it. Jesus was upset. There were no fruit. So he cursed the tree. And within a very short amount of time, when they walked past again, they say, it died. It shriveled up and died. How did this happen? How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So imagine Jesus just spoke to this physical object and it changed its nature in a sense. It changed its state. Imagine having your words move forth, changing a physical object or circumstance. Because that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, he explains in a moment, but that's what Jesus did. So in verse 21, so Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, 
Say faith. Do not doubt. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So this is amazing. Now you can either believe these, is, these are nice fairy tales, or when you become a true believer in God, you realize his word is the ultimate authority. It's always true. And it's always powerful. And we must realign our lives with his word. So Jesus is saying, you and I can move mountains. By the words we speak, if we have faith and we do not doubt. So I just want to break this down a few things for you. But Jesus lived in a different realm. He lived in the realm of faith. So for Jesus, when he speaks to something, it just happens. It changes because he lived in the realm of faith. Real faith is not what we often think it is. Real faith is something next level. Real faith sometimes looks really crazy. Real faith sometimes freaks people out. Because you're living in a different realm. You're living in a different dimension. You're living in heaven's dimension, heaven's kingdom. And that defines how you think, how you see, how you live. And Jesus lived in that realm. So he knew if he speaks, it's just going to be. So now, to give you a bit of a frame of reference, Smith Wigglesworth. I was reading a book about him. Just amazing, amazing stories. A man of God from England. Amazing things happened through his ministry. But he was a man of real faith. Crazy faith. So what he would do is, um, two weeks from now, I'm going to start doing a series on healing and physical healing. We're going we're gonna to equip the whole church in terms of how to move in the supernatural. Okay, so that's in two weeks' time. It's our outreach series starting in two weeks. But I'm giving you a little bit of a prequel. It's the rage these days. Prequels. So, so Smith Wigglesworth, what he would do is he would have a meeting, that have worship. He'd get onto stage, and then he would just say, bring to me... The person in the house that's the sickest, that person stand now. And then he would pray for them and things would happen. But in this specific case, he said, I want the person with the worst case of sickness in this place to stand up. And then in the front row, there were three ladies. The lady in the middle was really, really sick. The other two ladies had to almost carry her to the church service. She was really sick and they helped her to stand up. So this lady was desperately ill. And then he called her onto stage and they brought her onto stage. And instead of praying for her, he said to the ladies, let go of her. Let her stand by herself. When the ladies did, when, when, when the ladies did as he said, the woman crashed to the floor. Wigglesworth was unmoved. Pick her up, he told them. Again, he ordered them to let her stand alone. Reluctantly, they complied. And once more, the woman Poor woman fell with, down with a loud thud. He said, pick her up. Again, they did as he told them. By this time, some people in the congregation were becoming hostile. But Wigglesworth paid no attention. He said, let go of her. But this time they wouldn't. You callous brute, a man in the congregation cried out. Wigglesworth looked right at the man and said, mind your own business. I know my business. Turning to the two women, he repeated his command. Let go of her. And let her stand by herself. Do as I say. With trepidation, they did so. But this time, the woman did not fall. There on the platform beside her lay a big cancer which had come away from her. I think Wigglesworth adequately proved his point. His son-in-law said. 
The son-in-law would share how he would travel with Wigglesworth and he would be terrified because of what his father-in-law would do. But he said God would always back him up. God would always back him up. So I'm not planning to drop anybody soon, but, um, but Smith knew his God. He had incredible faith that God would back his words, that God would back his prayers. There's a different dimension that God wants you and me to dwell in. And so I had this picture in this week, and I felt the Lord show me that there's a highway, a highway of faith, and then there's a low way, a, a way of unbelief. So on the highways, when you dwell in this different dimension, you, it's like you're dwelling in the heavenlies. It's like walking down the street, and everything you want is there. And you're like, mm, okay, I'll have that. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I'll have that. Thank you, and I'll, I'll take that, and I'll, I'll take that, and yes, Thank you, Jesus. I'll take that as well. The highway where all of God's resources are available to you and to me. The low way is where you have access to nothing. The way of unbelief, the way of doubt, you have access to nothing. You will say, well, God isn't powerful and he never comes through for me, etc., etc. But the truth is you're living on the low way. You're walking on the low way. You have no access to God's resources. And the devil has access to you and all that you have because you're living on that low road. That's why doubt and unbelief is such a bad place to live in. Real faith is walking in a different dimension. Real faith is where when you speak, when you pray, when you command in Jesus' name, mountains move. Mountains move. I shared this last year, but when we were in Brazil, I experienced this the one time there was a... We were praying for sick people, and we were equipping their people to pray for sick people. And so this one lady came forward. She has had major eye problems for 10 years. She's just been seeing a blur for 10 years. And so she came and said, well, I, feel, I see a little bit better. And I was like, no, that's not a great testimony. So I laid hands on her, and I prayed for her, and the power of God came upon her. She went down to the floor. I stood over her and said, in Jesus' name, see. And when she opened her eyes, she saw perfectly after 10 years. That was a mountain that just moved in the name of Jesus. But you need to live in the place of faith if you want to see those things happen. So you could, all, you, you, you could say, well, you're just a victim of life and circumstances and always dwell on that low road. Or you can say, no, my God is almighty and powerful and faithful. Any mountain can move. But then you need to take up your place. You need to transition from the low road to the high road, the highway. Okay, so I want to share with you a little bit about how to do that. Because there's actually a lot of practical things you can do to transition. On the high road, you have access to all of God's resources and to God himself. On the low road, you have access to nothing and the enemy has access to you and to your heart and to your life. Okay, so who wants to move a mountain? I want to move mountains. It is life-altering when you experience the power of God working through you. Let me say something else. You need to understand us as a church, where we're coming from. In some churches, they might just want you to live a good life. Like, just be a good person, etc. Some churches, maybe. In this church, we come out of the position, out of the place where we believe that everybody is a somebody in Christ. 
Everybody can be powerful. That's where we're coming from. That's what I'll preach and teach. I, I believe that you can be everything the scriptures say you can be. I don't just want you to go through the motions. God doesn't want you to go through the motions. He wants you to experience his fullness. So you don't have to do anything we say or encourage you to do. But just know I'm coming from the place that you can be more than what you think. Because Christ lives in you if you're a believer this morning. He lives in you. And he wants to do great things through you. Everybody is a somebody in Christ. Let's say it. I'm a somebody. I'm a somebody in Christ. Yeah, you're a somebody. Even if you're going to Australia, you're a somebody. Even if you're going to Australia, it's all good. But, but the Lord has called us to so much more. And we've seen this change in people's lives. I've seen this with people in this congregation. When the lights start to switch on and they realize, oh. God wants to be powerful through me. It changes the game. It absolutely changes the game. So, I want to encourage you. Let's, let's move that mountain of unbelief on the inside of you that says to you, I am just called to sit in the pew for now and for forever. That's just really boring. Okay, so we don't want to, we don't want to do boring. Amen. Okay, so the first thing is, is have faith in God. You need to have faith. You need to put your your mission, your focus to have faith. And then secondly, you need to remove the mountains within you. So Jesus says, and do not doubt. If you want to move the mountain in front of you, you first need to move the mountain on the inside of you. The Lord just dropped this into my spirit. I so believe this is a word for us. If you want to move the mountain in front of you, you first need to move the mountain on, in, on the inside of you. In other words, whatever you're facing, the, the, the mountain isn't the problem. The mountain inside is the problem. The doubts on the inside is the issue. The lies that you believe about yourself and your circumstances, those things are the issue. If you move them, those things will move. The external things will move as well. Move the mountain on the inside if you want to move the mountain in front of you. So think about some areas of your life. How do you know if you don't have faith? or you, how, how do you know which areas do you need to, to find faith? It's simple. Follow the sl slimy trail of fear and lack of confidence. Follow it. What areas of your life are you lacking confidence? Those areas, you're lacking faith. Because the Bible says we are always confident because we walk by faith and not by sight. So there, if, you, if you would like look into your brain, you would be able to see like a real estate, like a fields and you will be able to see different areas of your life for instance there's the area of provision there's a big mountain over there there's a big stronghold over there of unbelief of doubts of fears the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in good space when I'm in this area but the moment I think about trusting God for provision fear just conquers me overwhelms you you just, just, so so there's, there's this area of provision where there's a mountain that needs to move if you want to have the mountain outside of you move. Or maybe in the area of relationships. You, you really battle in the area of relationships. The moment your, your, your thoughts go there, the moment you start to think about that area of your life, it just overwhelms you. And you want to run away about conflict scenarios or whatever it might be. There's a mountain. Or maybe to see God move powerfully through your life the moment you think it's like, no, oh, there's a mountain that says it like intimidates you. You're nothing. You're nobody. Who do you think you are? A mountain of doubts, 
unbelief that needs to move. If you want to move the mountain on the outside, you need to move the mountain on the inside. Just follow those trails of lack of confidence, fear, timidity. Follow them and you'll see, ah, there it is. And then you must lay siege. Lay siege. You see, each of those mountains is like a stronghold. It's like a castle with gates and walls and a roof. And and within that environment, darkness reigns. Unbelief reigns, doubt reigns, fear reigns, and you need to lay siege on that and break it down. Okay, so I was reading a book recently, um, but before I share that, the word doubt is the word diacrino. It implies a conflict with oneself. Doubt, divided heart, hesitating, wavering between hope and fear. And so I was reading this book called How to Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Someone's excited. And so what she said, she says she's a brain expert, and she shares how our brains function. just want to highlight one, just one or two things. She says basically your brain is at two parts, main parts of your mind. So there's the conscious, there's the non-conscious metacognitive mind. If you don't understand it, it's okay. Just worship Jesus. It's profound. He's amazing. So in the non-conscious metacognitive mind, 90 to 99% of the action in your mind happens. 400 billion actions per second. That's more than all the cell phone signals on the planet. Every second in your brain. It's the non-conscious part of your brain. So you're not thinking about it, but the 400 billion actions happening, 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 happening. I must go quickly to get to 4 billion, 400 billion. Then the, the front part of your brain, in a sense, um, says, she speaks about the conscious cognitive level. There's about 10% of your brain, around 2,000 actions per second. Now, the non-conscious part is the root level that stores the thoughts with the emotions and perceptions, and it impacts the conscious mind and what we say and what we do. In other words, is another thing she also says, 99% of the decisions you make are based on what you've built into your non-conscious metacognitive mind. So in other words, the area that, that you are aware of yourself, the area of your brain that you, there's a thought that comes in, and I'm thinking about my thinking, that, that your cognitive, that you're awake, you're aware of what's happening there. But everything that comes in there, your, through your eyes, your ears, your senses, everything that comes in there, and then what you think about and the memories that come out of your your subconscious or your um, non-conscious part, they work together. And then after you, you, you think, the things you think about and the things you focus on in the end moves into your non-conscious mind and becomes permanent thoughts. And she says that literally proteins change. So the structure of your brain is changed as you think. And it influences 99% of all your decisions. In other words... From birth to now, you have memories built up in your non-conscious mind. It influences everything you see, you do. So what could be happening in many of us is we are so filling our subconscious mind with unbelieving things, worldly things, that God isn't big and is not real and is not powerful, etc., etc. All these negatives, and it's actually defining our subconscious mind. And so now with your conscious mind, now you're saying, well, I'm going to trust Jesus for this. 
But deep down inside, something says, nah, it's not real. It's not true. It's not going to work. And actually, then it's doubt. It divides your mind. I'm not going to go into detail. I'll get into more of this in February. I want to get into how to renew your mind. But um, every one of us, if we could look into our brains, there are these areas, castles, strongholds of doubt, of negativity, of unbelief. And then there are strongholds of faith and hope and courage in other areas. And so one needs to rebuild. You need to assault the strongholds of negativity. You need to assault the doubts and the unbelief. If there's a specific area of your life, like you're looking at a, at a scenario in your life, you need to now evaluate, okay, what am I thinking about this? And why am I so negative about this? Why do I feel like this can't change? What are the lies that I'm believing on the inside? If I shift those lies and I build a stronghold of faith, I'm going to have faith to move this mountain. Doesn't make sense. Just in short. If you don't understand, just worship Jesus. It's awesome. Okay, the brain is amazing. It's profound how God has designed it. For me, it's just, again, evidence that we are made by a loving creator, not by millions of years of random chance. I mean, go build a computer with 400 billion actions per second. It takes intelligence. It takes, I believe, a, a being worthy of worship. Worthy of worship. Amen. So God's word is the tool with which we can assault the lies. So I want to encourage you to, I wrote this book, Increasing Heaven's Flow. And over December, I was spending quiet times with the Lord. And I was battling because my mind was all over the show. I was like, start off now. Whoa, my mind goes there. And whoa, my mind goes there. And I, it wasn't very effective. And then end of December, I took out my book. It's hard when you write your own book and promoting your own book, but it's okay. I must believe it's good. And, uh, but I started to just take one day. You know, and there's a scripture, and there's a teaching bit, and then there's a declaration. I started to make declarations. I started to, to focus my thoughts on the truth like a laser. The Lord says the following. His word says the following. How does this relate to me? This means I am a man of faith, or I am this, or I am this in Christ. So like a laser, I started to zoom in. I could feel the atmosphere on the inside of me shift. So how's your quiet time? So you're all over the show, do 10 minutes of, okay, moving on. Why not get focused? I want to encourage you to, to get the book if you haven't gotten it yet. And through these three weeks, to assault the lies, the doubts, the unbelief on the inside of you. Okay. Amen. You can do it. So this is a tool to help you to rewire your brain so that you can have real faith. So I shared this, um, you know, um, in an email I sent as well. But, you know, when fear knocks at the door, faith answered. No one was there. So when fear knocks on the door, let faith answer it. And you will find there is no fear. Fear is simply false evidence appearing real. It's false evidence appearing real. It tells you, be afraid. It tells you, be stressed. It tells you, be worried. But expose it with faith. No. This, I will not accept these thoughts. I'm taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
So how's your internal landscape? How's your internal landscape in your mind? What are the thoughts running through your brain? What negative things are you pondering upon over and over? It will rewire your subconscious mind and it will become reality. It will be, become your reality when you allow those thoughts to run rogue, to run around like without taking authority over them. So through God's word, you can create a new reality in your mind. Through God's word, you can create a new landscape. You can take down those castles. You can take down those lies and build the environment of faith so that you can move those mountains. It takes work. But by God's spirit, by his Holy Spirit, he'll help you to do so. So shift it. Shift it. Okay, so how do you move a mountain? Have faith. How do you move a mountain? Remove the mountains on the inside of you. And thirdly, how do you move a mountain? You need to get onto the highway of holiness. Look at this verse in uh, Isaiah 35. It speaks about a highway. As I said, there's a highway. It says, there's a highway shall be there and a road. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So it says no, no ravenous beast can, can get there. You're safe. When you're on the highway, you're safe. The unclean can't go there, but the, the pure can, the holy can. So these three weeks, we want to fast, have a, like a, a soul fast. The Lord has been over the years working me off, and he said, okay, now let go of that thing. It's just filling your mind with rubbish. Now let go of that thing. Uh, it's, just, it's not helping you to build faith. Get it out of, your, of the way. In other words, what happens is, if you want to build that stronghold, or you, want to, you, you, you get exposure, say you come to church and you read your Bible every now and again, you get exposure to truth. And when you get exposure to truth, that truth assaults the lies, and it begins to tackle those strongholds of unbelief. And it starts to break down the walls, breaks down the gates, etc. So it's busy and it's working. But now, you leave church, you go back into life, and you go back to the TV, boop, and you watch the latest horror movie, which glorifies evil and the devil and how big and powerful the enemy is. And then you're wondering why you have so much fear. So in other words, the, the truth is tackling, is breaking down those strongholds, but now you go feed it again. And you go feed it again, and so you build up those negative, lying strongholds again. Make sense? Stop Feeding your soul rubbish. If you want faith. If you don't want faith, fine. No problem. But if you want faith, you need to be ruthless with your internal environment. You need to say, no, I'm not going to allow those things in. No, I'm not going to allow those things in. I'm going to wholeheartedly pour myself into the word of God. So that's my, our challenge for you guys for the next three weeks. Put Facebook off if it's distracting you. Turn the news off. You don't need to know about the latest, greatest murder or whatever. Does it really help you? Does it really feed your soul? No, get into the word of God. Let that feed your soul of who God is, how good he is. Turn the PC off unless it's for work. Turn the games off. Whatever it is, don't shop for the next three weeks unless it's for bread. But just say, I'm going I'm to, whatever area, every one of us have, has a different area in our lives that the enemy is coming in. Try and shut down, close those doors, close those doors and say, God, 
for these three weeks. I'm going to rewire my brain. I'm going to get focused on the truth. I'm going to pray and see mountains move. So that's a challenge. So take some time later today. Write down, these are the things that are distracting me. These are the things that's consuming my mind. These are the things that are keeping me from, from, from filling my subconscious mind with truth. So it says there will be a highway. Okay, so what are you cutting out? All those, there's 180 plus people signed up to do the 21 days. So what are you doing? What are you cutting out? What is your, what, what is your list of things that you are trusting the Lord for for this year? I shared last week. Sonic and I had a whole list of things last year. We ticked off so many of those things where God came through for us. So many things. So what are you holding before the Lord? What is your goal that you're trusting the Lord for God? I'm trusting you for the following things. I'm holding this before you in prayer. If you signed up for a one-hour slot this week, we still have a few gaps left. You're welcome to fill it. Let's, let's, let's keep that prayer prayer line going, really pursuing the Lord. You see, everybody wants the power of God. Everybody wants the fullness of God. Everybody wants to know a supernatural God. Few people are willing to pay a price for it. Few people are willing to pay a price for it. Like fast, like switching those things off. You can do it. I found this in my life. Every time the Lord challenges me with an area of my life, I'm like, oh, this is hard. Lord, are you serious? Should I really lay this down? It's not sin. It's just the distraction. And every time I do it, the Lord blesses me beyond anything I could have. Way beyond that something. You know, so sometimes the Lord comes to us and he says to me, give me the keys to your 35-year-old follower. I want it. And you're like, no. I love my fuller. I named her. He's a special, precious, beautiful little car that leaks and doesn't start and gives all the issues. And so the Lord says, give me the keys. Give it to me. And that's a real sacrifice. But if he's standing on the other side with your dream car, you're like, whoo, take the keys, man. I want, I want that one. I want, and it's the same how the Lord works with us. He's holding before us promises. He's holding before us an East London that is transformed. He's holding before us our friends and family coming to Christ. He's holding before us breakthrough upon breakthrough. Peace in your heart. No longer fear and anxiety. All this is, He's saying that's all available to you, but uh, just give me that. Just, just lay that down so that I can get my word in. You're continuously building up the wrong strongholds again. Come on, give me that. Just shut Close that door and let me work. Let me, let me move into your heart. That's what God wants to do. So what are you feeding yourself? For three weeks, it's like a little spiritual boot camp. For three weeks, you can do it. Facebook, off. You can. You can. Come on, let's say it. I can. All the Facebook addicts, I can, I can. <laughs> you can do it. Turn off those things and turn on the word of God so that you can step onto the highway. God wants to impact so many lives. But he needs you and me to partner with him. He wants to impact so many lives. But he needs us to partner with him. Look at this scripture, beautiful scripture. Psalm 90, almost finished. Psalm 90, verse 1 to 2. 
speaks about our God that is bigger than the mountains. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. This person is dwelling on the highway. You've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Creator of heaven and earth, the one who was, who is, who will always be. When the, mount, the physical mountains on this earth is gone, God will still be. That is our God and he loves you. And he's inviting us to experience his fullness in this life. So have faith in God. Tackle the doubts and the unbelief. Lay siege on every fear, every lie, every insecurity, every timidity by using the truth. Then thirdly, get onto the highway of holiness. Shut down those, the stuff that's distracting you. And then lastly, speak to the mountain. So dwell in those high places with God. Dwell in those high places with God. Step into the Spirit through prayer. Step into His presence. And then from that place now speak with authority and see those things change. Move the mountain within and then move the mountain on the outside. Matthew 21, 21 to 22, just to end off with this. Just to read it again. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, If you have faith, this is the words of Jesus himself. If you have faith and do not doubt, your mind's not divided. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Whatever things. Now, sometimes we say, well, it's only if it's the will of God. I believe it's more than just the will of God. Think about God the Father as a loving dad. He loves you. Now with my son, if my boy comes to me, I'm like, "Mm, is it my will? Well, my will, my boy, is for you just to have water and dry bread. Because that's going to keep you alive. And you need nothing more than that. Little thin mattress, nah, stuff the mattress. On the grass. Outside. You won't die. You're not so soft. Come on. Is that a loving father? Is that a good dad's heart? No, you want to give your children everything that's good for them. Not bad stuff. Things are going to be bad for them. So Jesus is saying, whatever you ask. So you can bring the wants and you can bring the needs and you can bring the wants. The needs, I need money end of the month. I need health. I need to... Just needs. Need a roof over my head. Needs. But wants. God wants to give you your, want, your wants. Your desires. I've seen this with me and Sonica. We have said yes to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added. So we say, God, we give everything to your kingdom. And then, by the way, we get seriously blessed. Susan, seriously blessed. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to. He's not sitting in heaven stingy like an angry, stingy dad, father, like, uh-uh, no, no. He wants to give you the answers to your prayers. 
He wants to hear your voice come before. He wants to see you come before him. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants intimate times with you in his presence. He wants to love on you. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. He wants to tell you his amazing plans for this year. He wants to give you promises. My boy, it's going to be a good year. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. He wants to speak to you. Praise two-way communication, not just uh, one way, you know. Boring. He wants to cause your prayers to be answered so that the name of Jesus can be glorified in East London and in this nation. He wants to. Prayer is partnering with God. It's not fighting with a stingy, angry, difficult, don't want to do it, being somewhere in the sky. Amen. Let's say it is good. He's for us. He loves us. And he wants to answer all our prayers. Unless it's bad for you. <laughs> Lord, I want to marry that guy. Oh, no, he's going to stuff up your life. No, sorry. <laughs> okay, so he's good. He's a good dad. Dad, I want to run over the street. No, the car's going to crash you. No, no, hit you. No, don't do that. So he protects us. He wants to answer your prayer. But you need to come with, a, with faith, with expectation. Lord, I'm going to sh- move mountains today. I'm going to partner with you. We're going to move the mountains on the inside, then we're going to move the mountains on the outside. I'm going to pray for people by their name. I'm going to see your kingdom come in them. Amen.